Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, prescribing hope for healthy families here on American Family Radio. Here's your host, professor, pediatric nurse practitioner, and mom of four, Dr. Jessica Peck. Well, hello, friends. Happy Monday, wherever you are. We are starting another week, and it's starting to be spring. And I'm personally excited about that, to see things growing and blooming. And yes, I do realize I listen. I live in the South, and that happens a lot earlier, but not mad about it at all. And talking about growing, we are going to talk about growing your family through adoption and foster care today. I'm really excited to have Summer Cole on. She is a writer, a speaker. She hosts the Love Where You Are and Called to Love podcast on the Christian Parenting Podcast Network. She is the Director of Adoption and Foster Care Ministry at Cross Church, and she is the Champions Coordinator for the Arkansas Baptist Children and Family Ministries, where she creates support, awareness, and advocacy for families seeking to serve in the areas of adoption and foster care. She is passionate, I can tell you, about equipping spiritually healthy families and seeing a movement of God's people step into confidence in their ability to change the world around them through the way they love. She lives in Arkansas with her husband, her three kids, and three dogs. She is obsessed with British docudramas and cooking shows and can always be found with a cup of tea in hand. And so we invite you, get a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a Sonic drink, maybe if you live somewhere near near Sonic, we don't have time to talk about my Sonic drink obsession, but it just grab something and sit down because we are going to have a a great heart to heart talking about how Summer's life was changed by the love of Jesus, her marriage, and this new adoption and foster journey. Summer, welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama show. I'm so happy that you're joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. Well, Summer, tell us your story. How did you come to know the Lord and find your family? Mm. You know, I was so blessed to be raised in a Christian home and parents who prioritized being a part of the body of Christ through church attendance. And then just knowing about the Lord and, and hearing about Jesus was just always something that was interwoven in the culture of my home. And so I, as a nine-year-old, uh, sitting in a, a balcony on a Sunday morning, just randomly, um, not randomly, the Lord totally ordained it, but the, it was my time just to, to sense that calling from the Lord to step forward and, and to make that official profession of faith in my life. And so it was a really special time for me. I went forward, I was baptized that night, and then just moved forward in my faith journey as a young child. And then um, attended a Christian school and um, was mentored, and, and my faith was nurtured throughout, not only by my parents and my family, but also through my local church and my Christian school and my friends. And um, and then just going forward, the Lord always um, had this strong tie to me remaining in um, church work and ministry work, and I didn't quite know what that looked like at the time or what He had in store for me, but um, it took a, a quite a ride to to lead me into the calling and the work that He's had me in. But um, through all of that, when I was in college, I uh, was recruited to be a part of a praise and worship band um, when this other really cute, dark-headed guy was uh, recruited <laughs> to be the male lead vocal. 
And I was there as the lead female vocal, and we started singing together. About six or seven months later, we started dating, and that was it. That was the the person that the Lord had for me. He's absolutely my favorite human. And uh, we will celebrate 20 years of marriage this August, which is really hard to believe. I feel like we're still teenagers that uh, we're dating. But um, then the Lord saw fit to grow our family biologically with two sons who are now 17 and 13. And then, as we will talk about today, He called our hearts to adoption, and that is how our baby girl joined our family a few years later. I think that's so encouraging to hear. It's so encouraging to hear testimonies of people who walk with the Lord. It doesn't mean life is easy or that it's perfect, but there can be such yeah. blessing in that. And I I, I want to hear the story of how you found your little girl. Mm. You know, it's been an amazing process that has changed me forever. It's started with, as I look back now, I think about just certain movies and stories and books and things that I was drawn to as a child that had that theme of specifically adoption. And I I didn't realize it at the time, but I think the Lord was using that even as far back as my childhood to plant seeds, um, knowing that He was going to call me towards that. And so uh, my husband and I actually got engaged on a mission trip in Belize, Central America, and we were down there with a group from our church, again, with our college ministry, and we were building a school. And uh, during that week, the guys got to do all of the the heavy lifting and the hard labor in the the sweaty jungles of Belize, and us girls had the fun task of getting to just spend time with the school kids. And through that, I think the Lord really used that um, as a time to to plant that seed even more and start to bring it to fruition. Uh, This is something that I really want to be a part of. And so we got engaged on that trip, and and after some really fun and special relationships with the kids at that school down there um, in that country, that became a conversation conversation from the time that we started talking about us as a family. Um, so, but we got caught up in, you know, just the wedding and getting married. And then um, we were expecting our first child within the first year and a half of our marriage. And so we just kind of started family life um, as a little family of three, and then eventually a family of four. And then I can remember very distinctly when my second born son was uh, still pretty little. He was about a year old. Um, I, I had one of those moments, and I know we're going to talk about this later on in our conversation, but I call it just an Ebenezer moment where the Lord just clearly spoke to me and said, you're going to adopt. And and it was just almost that audible voice of God. And you have those moments in your life where you just know that it's Him speaking to you. And so in that moment, I shared with my husband, we were driving in a car. We actually just finished dropping off our boys at grandparents for the weekend. It was around New Year's. And so we were getting a little bit of a breather for a couple of days and a little bit of a parenting reprieve. And I spent that entire reprieve planning to add more kids to our family because I was like, the Lord spoke, <laughs> let's do this thing, you know. And so that started our journey of just really uh, honestly navigating it in the dark. I had no experience with processes, with agencies, with, uh, you know, just the legalities of it. I had no clue. And so we just started knocking on doors and having conversations. And I did a lot of research. And um, I guess that's why the Lord instilled me in me this, you know, um, this ability to research probably excessively more than uh, more often than not. But um, through all of that, we just began to ask questions and, and start that process. And so we had a, a very traumatic failed placement our first time out um, in the Christmas of 2013. We had a baby taken out of our arms two days after Christmas, actually. And uh, that was a really, really difficult experience for us and one that we didn't realize um, that God was going to use to say, okay, are you in this or not? Because we were introduced right there face-to-face with the brokenness and legal risk and uh, were our hearts really in this? 
And the answer to that was yes. Uh, six months later, we started a second process, and that resulted in our baby girl joining our family in early 2015 as a newborn. We were so blessed to be in the room to see her birth, to pray with her biological mother as she was about to give birth. Um, and it was just a really, really sweet experience for us, but one that, you know, we came to understand just the reality of, of joining two families and, and being forever connected to uh, the sweet biological family who, quite frankly, worded it in their own words, you know, gifting us with this precious life. And um, so it was just a really life-changing experience for us. And shortly after that, about 18 months into our journey, the Lord started calling us again. And over those next few years, up until 2019, we ended up having a total of seven more processes, um, both domestically and internationally, that none came to fruition. And so mm-hmm. we dealt with um, the frustration, the confusion, the heartbreak, the grief, the lack of understanding of what the Lord was doing. Um, and so that taught us much as we went through each of those processes and the Lord began to um, develop what we now know is a ministry um, and a mission to share with other families who, like us, have experienced this calling. And uh, we navigated in the dark, and so I like to, to go forward with my knowledge base based on my experience and help families go through it uh, with a little bit more clarity. You know what I love about your story, Summer, is that you're so honest about it, but really hearing you talk about the way that you grew up, the way that you got married, you really are a normal girl with a normal life, just doing the normal kind of parenting thing. And then God calls you and you describe that moment where it seems audible, where you know that the Lord calls you to something. And one of the things that I have learned, and I know you have learned this too, Summer, is that just because the Lord calls you to something doesn't mean that the outcome is guaranteed to look like you expect it to look. So I think sometimes, you know, people think like in fostering or adoption or or whatever that may be, they think, oh, God put this call on my heart, so we're going to get a baby and everything's going to be perfect. But God, you know, I think about the scripture of delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that first part Mm -hmm. is delight yourself in the Lord. That's what we have to do. And then as we do that, a lot of times those desires of our heart are molded and shaped into the way that he wants them to be. And I think some are about the story of Abraham, where God told him, get up and go to the place I will show you. He didn't say, okay. Hey, here's your GPS map. Uh, We're going to be taking a, you know, this many day journey, and this is the route we're going to take. And here's where I've mapped out the rest stops. And then you're going to be here. And here's the, you know, the blueprint for the camp that we're going to build. It was get up and go to the place I will show you. And I think this is such an important concept to frame for our listeners, because I know, I know somewhere, I know there are people listening whose hearts are burning right now, who are saying, oh my goodness, this has been on my heart. I want to foster, I want to adopt. And I think we have to be honest with them and tell them that is such a wonderful thing and do not doubt the Lord's calling in your life, but facing it eyes wide open, knowing what the Lord may require of you. Am I wrong there? Not in the slightest. It absolutely is a faith journey. And, you know, correlating it with Abraham's story, and I even I liken it so much to what Moses experienced back and forth and his resistance with the Lord to respond to his calling, and then Abraham just having to go and surrender, not knowing where the Lord was going to lead. And I will be completely transparent with you in saying that had I known what we were going to walk through over the course of a decade, I probably would have chickened out. 
And so it was God's goodness that he did not reveal that roadmap, but in fact, he eliminated one paving stone at a time for me to step on and anchor myself to in his word and his calling and what he was leading us to in that moment. And ultimately, on the other side of it, I can see the goodness and I can see his plan having come to fruition. And I mean, here's the good news. He's not done with our story yet. The Lord knows that our hearts are open to whatever he has for us. That was not the case when I took those first few steps. I wanted it to be just so. I wanted it to be hallmark-like. I wanted to be in complete control. I wanted it to be predictable. And then the Lord just very gently through a series of experiences reminded me, you're not in control. This is my story that I'm writing through you. I don't need you for this, but I'm inviting you into it, and I'm going to change you through it. And it really is about that individual life change and cultivating that closeness with the Lord that is going to walk you through every step of the way, regardless of the outcome. Oh, my goodness. And I know you and I have talked about this before. I don't have a personal foster care or adoption story, but I can see the same threads through my own life and thinking about the trauma I experienced with brokenness through separation from my parents and all of that that happened. And I think, didn't God see that as a good thing to restore that? But I know one of my favorite verses, Psalm 84, 11, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And we have to see that something we might see as inherently good, God might not see as good in our life at that time. And something we may see as, you know, oh, Lord, this looks bad. I don't know that this is there. But we have to be confident to know that He will use those things for our good and for His glory. And Summer, you and I have talked about the fact that both of us now have a platform where you are now the Director of Adoption and Foster Care Ministry at your church and a connected champion with the Mm -hmm. Arkansas Baptist Children and Family Ministry. I'm sitting here on a radio talking about parenting, you know, where God has used our brokenness and He has exchanged mourning for joy. He has given Mm -hmm. beauty for ashes. Our God is a God who restores and who redeems and who loves to make things new. And that's what I think about the verse from Lamentations is that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed and His mercies are new every morning. Well, Summer, we're just getting started and we are going to talk when we come back. We're going to dive into this adoption and foster care thing. And you said you know these questions from families like the back of your hand because you used to have the same questions. So we're going to answer all the questions. If adoption and foster care is on your heart, we're going to talk about how much will it cost? How long will it take? What about open adoption? What if the parents change their minds like happened to you, Summer? All of those questions and more when we come back. Don't go away. You don't want to miss it. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Daisy and her husband had decided they never wanted kids. And when she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought abortion. But after she and her husband met her baby on ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life. Her baby Jeffrey is healthy and beautiful and Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. Each of these babies are truly miraculous and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. 
$28 a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. You're listening to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show with Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Hey friends, welcome back. We are talking to Summer Colbert. She is a writer, a speaker, and host of the Call to Love podcast. And listen, she knows everything there is to know about adoption and foster care. If you were listening in the first segment, she shared with us her own personal journey of adoption and how now that is her job. And that's what she does every day. So Summer, how did this become, how did this go from being your personal journey to being your job and your ministry and your everyday life? You know, the only way to explain it, honestly, is the Lord. You know, He had this ordained all along, and I like to use the phrase that He developed a message out of the mess, and that's the best way that I can explain it, because it was so messy. And I would love to tell you that I navigated each one of our disappointments and our struggles beautifully, but it was quite the opposite. It revealed ugliness in my flesh that I did not realize needed to be flushed out. And it was the Lord's goodness using these things to to bring that to my attention and to call me to repentance and to call me into a deeper walk and faith journey with Him. But through all of that, as we were still going through the multiple processes, you know, every time we would experience a closed door, every time that we would have a disappointment, every time we would give our hearts to a child that we ended up not being able to parent ourselves, I would go back to the Lord over and over with this question of why, over and over and over again. And for years, that question remained unanswered. And then finally, when it was His good timing in the fall of 2019, Nope, I'm telling you wrong. In the fall of 2021, um, I got a phone call from the pastor of my local church, and he had received a communication from the Arkansas Baptist Children and Family Ministries, and they were seeking to partner with our church, essentially to pilot a program um, where they would utilize one of the church's members to serve on staff as the foster and adoption uh, ministry director. And What was really cool is going back to 2019, which I was referring to in my brain, trying to get my facts straight. It's been a journey. (laughs) Um, I just, for one, a very random reason, I've I've got a very good and trusted relationship with our pastoral staff at our church. I've been there for so many years, but I just felt the Lord draw me to basically invite myself up to his office and ask for a meeting with him impromptu. And I just said, listen, I have this um, burden on my heart that we're not doing enough in our church body for foster and adoptive families, and I want to do more. And he sat on that conversation for almost two years, but the Lord used that little prompting and planting that seed in his heart and his mind to call me two years later when this organization reached out and said, hey, we'd like to hire somebody in your church to do this job. And I was that phone call. And so it was honestly just the Lord. I took those, like I mentioned in our last segment, those little paving stones, those little one step at a time, and I would just sit there and wait. The Lord was leading me towards a path to turn 
our mess into a message and to be the person for other families that, quite frankly, we didn't have when we were going through our journeys. I didn't know where to begin. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know how to navigate things when we started to experience trauma behavior. I didn't understand that I was going to have to literally learn an entirely different language and learn how to love an entirely different way. I had no clue about any of those things. And so I stumbled and bumbled through all of that in my journey. But when I got that phone call in the fall of 2021 and that pastor reached out to me about that position, that's when the Lord again was like, here's the answer to that why question that you've been asking me all this time. Because I was preparing and paving the way for you to go and be a voice and an advocate and a support for others whom I'm also calling in the similar vein. Very humbling. I could not love that quote that you said more. I feel like that needs to be, you know, put on a little plaque on my desk or something. God turned our mess into a message. That is such a great way to think about it. And, you know, Summer, I think I know there are a lot of people out there who are listening who are thinking that, you know, we feel God moving our hearts to adopt or foster but where do we even begin? So I know we have families out there who are thinking, this has just kind of been on our hearts. It's been on our, on our radar. I know eventually we will. Where should we even start? We have done nothing yet. We've done absolutely nothing except for maybe open the door in our heart. What would you tell them? Yeah, That's a really great question. And it's one that, quite frankly, the favorite thing that I have about my job is being able to sit down with families one-on-one and ask that question that you just asked, what is the Lord laying on your heart? Because that's really where we need to begin in understanding what the Lord is speaking. For some families, they are called specifically to be a safe space for a child temporarily while a family is trying to heal um, in the area of foster care. And so they might be led specifically to foster care, and that's a very specific journey. In the area of adoption, Where is the Lord leading you? Is He leading you internationally? Is He leading you domestically? Is there a family situation? That's a very common thing where uh, we have what's called fictive kin placements and or provisional placements, where it's a child that you know that is in need of a safe and loving home. And so there's a lot of legalities and a lot of specifics. And I even offer private coaching um, that is available. If you would like to reach out to me, I'm happy to sit down and have that conversation with you personally. If you would like to get in touch with me, uh, we can leave that information today. But in a broad sense, what you want to do first and foremost is you just want to go to the Lord and you want to ask Him for wisdom. If you are in a place in your life where I like to put it this way, where the Lord just won't leave you alone, because that Mm -hmm. was definitely the case for me, and it is the case for many families that I speak to, where they're just, it almost becomes, it feels like a burden that they just desperately want to release, and there's freedom on the other side of a yes. And so if you just know that the Lord is not leaving you alone about this, it's time to take first steps, and you give Him that yes, then we start asking questions. I'll, I'll preface all of this, too, to say this. The Lord already knows who your child is. And the Lord is already paving that perfect path to lead you to that child. And so I hope that gives you a little bit of a sense of relief and that um, He will lead and guide you through that. But depending on the route that you want to take, there are uh, wonderful Christian faith-based adoption agencies that I would recommend. I would heavily, heavily vet any agency that you choose to engage with. I would do your research. I would reach out to trusted friends and adoption communities to make sure that you are going with one that is trusted and um, is ethical in their practices. Um, If you are interested in um, more domestic, there are private attorney routes where 
Um, there's less of a requirement in terms of agencies. And again, this is very, very broad. It, it, it really, you have to sit down and think region, state, you know, uh, all those different things to really give you exact uh, facts. But every process is going to require what's called a home study. And that is where a worker will come into your home and they will make sure that your home is safe for children. They will make sure that you've met all the legal requirements. There will be a review of financial statements. There will be proof of insurances. There will be proof of of health, depending on um, there are certain countries that even go so far as to say you have to be within a certain BMI. I mean, this sounds very overwhelming. I hope I'm not overwhelming (laughs) your listeners right now. But there are a lot of, of details that go into it. First step pray. And if you know that the Lord is asking you to move forward, then start asking questions. Seek out others in your community that you know have adopted. Ask about their experience. Um, Ask for their recommendations. If your church has a foster and adoption ministry or someone within your church leadership who has experienced adoption, lean into them and ask the questions. There are many uh, different groups on social media that can be trusted communities where you can have conversations and post your questions. And I truly believe that if the Lord has a child for you through this path, that he will use those first steps of asking those questions and seeking wisdom and seeking answers to lead you one step at a time to where you need to go. I think that perspective is really helpful, Summer, because I think people who are thinking about this and haven't yet dived into it, they kind of wonder, like, is this a lot? Is this a little? And I think you've answered it, that this is a lot. This really is a labor of love. Because when you think about things like home studies, which I've helped families prepare for those home studies before, let me tell you, they are coming in just like you imagine guests are going to come in, but they really don't. But these are people who really do look in every cabinet. They want to see your medicine cabinet and where you have sharp objects stored and how you keep your chemicals stored in the garage and all of those things and looking at financial statements and proof of health statements and those kinds of things. I mean, these are things that families generally don't have to go through for having a biological child. And so sometimes that can feel like a big step up. And I think just knowing Mm -hmm. that it's there, knowing that that is the requirement and that is the threshold. So if you're thinking about planning this in a season of your life, you're going to need to plan it in a time where you have the time and the mental capacity and the physical capacity to fill out a lot of forms and to, you know, go through a lot of processes like that. And it's kind of a hurry up and wait thing. So I think that's just helpful to know Uh, and, you know, to prompt somebody to take that first step. Another big barrier for family summer is the cost because you kind of start asking around and you think, oh, maybe this is a couple of thousand dollars. Maybe it's $20,000. Maybe it's a hundred thousand dollars. How much can families expect a process like this to cost? It's a very good question, and again, it varies, so I'll kind of break down the basic categories for you. If you are looking at private infant adoption within the United States, depending on the route that you take, whether it's agency or private attorney, you're going to look somewhere anywhere between the range of thirty to $60,000. If you are looking at an international process, you're going to range probably somewhere between the forty to seventy-five thousand, and I know that probably is, you know, some of our listeners they might be sucking all of the air out of the room right now when they hear <laughs> those numbers. Um, it's understandable. The other thing is adoption through foster care, and that is local to your state uh, and in your community. Foster to adopt is typically little to no cost. 
And so, um, but there is also legal risk involved. But the truth of the matter is there's legal risk involved no matter which path you take. And so that kind of, you know, speaks into what you were just sharing of preparing your mindset and creating margin and understanding that it is it is very demanding. Um, it can feel very invasive and it can be really, really overwhelming when you think about all of it. But again, I go back to, and I always point my families back to the sovereignty of God and the provision of God, depending on the path that he leads you down. There are grants, there are scholarships, you can check with your employer depending on your type of employment. Many um, corporations actually have adoption funding available to employees that you can look into in certain values. Um, there are um, zero interest loans, which I don't advocate for debt, but there are zero interest loans if that is your option. I'll be completely honest with you. Our family sold a house and we used the proceeds and the benefit of that to fund our adoption. And for us, it was entirely worth it. And the Lord blessed us actually with a larger home because at the time we brought our daughter home, my mom and dad were having to move in with us as well. So we went from a quiet family of four to a crazy family of seven within two months' time. (laughs) And so the Lord absolutely will provide through all of these different things with foster care. Also, it's really important to be mindful that when you open your home to foster care, you receive what's called a board payment from your state to support the needs of that child per child per month. Um, And so that can be utilized even if you are in a financial position where you're able to provide for that child comfortably, but you want to set that money aside uh, for any any finalization fees that happen when a decree is issued. Sometimes, again, depending on the court system, depending on your state, they will waive those fees or they will be minimal filing fees and that sort of a thing. So there is a very, very broad range depending on the type of process that you find yourself in. I will tell you that Speaking in the foster care lane, there are on average about 400,000 children per year that come into the foster care system in the United States, and about 100,000 of those children need permanency. Parental rights for different reasons are terminated, and these children need forever families. And so that is a a greater need. Um, Statistically, we are seeing a decline in the United States of uh, private infant adoptions uh, just due to different social programs that are available, different ministries that are seeking to help parents to be able to successfully parent their children rather than choosing adoption as an option. And so it really isn't that the need is no longer there, but it is that the need has shifted um, in the different veins, and we see that tremendously in the areas of foster care and adoption through foster care. Um, in our state alone, we have nearly 300 children. I'm in the state of Arkansas whose parental rights have already been terminated, and they are waiting for forever families. And so you can do the research in your own home state, wherever you are, and find out what that number is. And um, there are different programs within different states that compare you with children whose parental rights have been terminated and they're ready for adoption. So. It is uh, one other thing that I will mention just in terms of thinking from the financial point is each state has um, the uh, tax credit for adoption. There is a federal tax credit, and then there is typically a state tax credit, which when combined after you had uh, finalization of an adoption, you can report that on your taxes for that year, and you can receive that additional funding and tax credit that might offset any costs that you might have experienced leading up to that finalization. 
Well, that is really helpful information, Summer. And I, I mean, overwhelming. I mean, when you talk, when you said thirty to sixty thousand dollars, or forty to seventy-five thousand yeah. dollars, that is a lot of money. And even you sharing how you sold a house—that's how far you are willing to go to follow the Lord's call into your life and to find your daughter. And one of the things that we're going to talk about in the third segment is all of this. Is it worth it? We're going to talk about mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, it doesn't always go the way that you think it does. And sometimes that can be really difficult in expecting this kind of made for TV moment that we're parents, we've done all of this, we've spent all of this money, we've done all of this time, we've had this home study, and now we have this child in our home who is traumatized. And one of the interesting things to me, Summer, is as we're learning about child development, we're learning that people think, oh, Oh, well, I'm going to adopt a baby. So there's no trauma that's occurred. But we know that right. preconceptual and conceptual health deeply impact babies' expressions of trauma. And we know that the way that their mother experiences trauma and stress can even change the way that our DNA is read and transcribed. And that can pass on to our children. Now that can be really scary and seem like, oh, that's insurmountable. But the opposite is true. When we just employ some principles of resilience and have the support and the love that we can do and learn some simple skills and tools, we can reverse that trauma cycle. So when we come back, we're going to continue talking to Summer about, is this all worth it? And she'll share her story about God raising an Ebenezer in her life. Again, you won't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Podcasts of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Welcome back, friends. We're talking to Summer Colbert. She's a writer, a speaker, and the host of Called to Love podcast. She is an expert on adoption and foster care ministry. She serves as the director of adoption and foster care ministry at her church. And maybe some of you are listening thinking, hey, that sounds like that could be a job for me. Well, maybe you should just call your pastor. I don't know. I'm just going to throw that out there and say, and say that as an idea. Now, in the second segment, we were talking about some of the realities facing families who want to foster and adopt. There are a lot of families who really want to do this. And I think Summer and I were talking even on the break how important it is for you to come into this eyes wide open and know what you're getting into and be prayed up and have some margin to adjust your mindset to the journey that is coming above you, ahead of you. And really, we talked about some of the financial barriers too. And you may not have been aware of the fact that many employers do provide adoption benefits. And in fact, the Dave Thompson Foundation for Adoption does an annual adoption-friendly workplaces. So maybe that's something that you need to look at and go see which workplaces are adoption-friendly. And maybe you need a new job to do this. Maybe you don't sell your house like some Summer did, but maybe you get a new job. But Summer, we were talking about the fact, the realities of this, uh, and that, you know, there are a lot of times where people expect to foster or adopt a child and they expect everything to go beautifully. And it doesn't because kids have experienced trauma. Even little babies, we know infants can experience something that we call toxic stress, where they're having secretions of stress chemicals in their brain that are 
unmitigated by uh, comforting factors, and that can happen. So what are those realities and what are the common misconceptions that families have? How would you prepare them for those honestly, but also not discourage them or scare them off? It's a tough balance, truly, because you you don't want to scare families away from the calling itself, but you also don't want to send them in blind. And so it, it is a constant balancing act that I that I'm pursuing when I'm visiting with families. But you're absolutely right, and we've talked about just preparing our mindset because one of the greatest and common misconceptions is the fact that it's going to happen quickly and that it's going to happen pain free. And what we need to understand is the very reason for adoption, it exists because a family has been broken. And that is going against the way that the Lord, you know, ultimately designed the family back in Genesis before sin. He meant for our children to be with their biological parents. And for various reasons now, because we live on this broken side of sin and death, uh, we experience that need for children to, to come into our homes. And so, um, you know, some of that is due to poverty. Some of that is due to substance abuse and addiction and just um, generational trauma that perpetuates and makes homes unsafe environments. And so to your point, there are reasons why our children come into our homes and into our families and are available for adoption. And, and that is typically messy. And there is beauty on the other side of that brokenness. Um, but you cannot expect to go through the process in a word unscathed and nor would you want to honestly because when you encounter brokenness it's going to change you it's going to humble you it's going to shape you and it's going to mold you in a way that you wouldn't experience otherwise and so um, to set those expectations in a healthy light is so so important for families who are considering this calling that it's not going to be simple I think you had alluded to this you know just going in and signing some papers and then all of a sudden there's a baby on your front porch in a basket with big bright eyes and eyelashes, you know, smiling and cooing at you. Um, Quite the opposite. It is painstaking at times even to get to the process to be on a list, to be considered to welcome a child into your home. And then there's the waiting process. There's all of the different factors. And the other part of it, and what we can talk about now is, uh, and I, I, again, I will raise my hand and say I was so guilty of this. I was in complete denial and and utter ignorance that if you bring a newborn into your home, that they're they're a fresh slate, essentially, that there's no reason for trauma, that you are the only parent that they've experienced, and so therefore, why would they have experienced trauma? But on the other side of it, I will say, when our daughter was born, we experienced about three solid years, really severely 18 months, but three solid years of crying day and night of what we now understand was grief and anxiety and fear as a result of her exposure in utero. And something else that um, parents need to understand is that, you know, God designed this mother-child relationship that, that takes place beginning in utero. And so there is this connection from the get-go. And when a mother emotionally and mentally disconnects from her child, even in the womb, that sends signals to the child's body and brain that that separation is taking place. And so they are experiencing separation trauma, even while inside the womb of their biological mother. And so there are behaviors that are displayed as a result of that, and it is in various forms. And then you add nurture to that once a child is born into this world, even if they're with their biological family, if the nurture component is not there after already experiencing in utero stress, that is going to affect behavior, and that's going to affect connection. And what I don't want to discourage your listeners with is saying, well, it's a lost cause. It just means it's going to take a different approach in your parenting. You know, as parents, 
we, even with our biological children, we're not guaranteed anything. We're not guaranteed health. We're not guaranteed certain gifts or talents or their ability to thrive in certain ways in their life. And so that expectation should not be the same, especially for our adoptive children. We need to go into it understanding that we have been given these children to steward by God specifically, though most many times we are not going to feel qualified. And that is so true for myself. But He will give us the tools that we need as we need them, and He will grow our skill set and our knowledge base as we learn our children. So the first component is certainly love and nurture that we want to give to our children. But we have to become students of our children, of their needs, of their experiences, and we need to model our parenting based on those specifically for that child, because the goal is to help the children thrive to the best of our ability, not to fix them, not to heal them, not to repair them, but to help them thrive and to point them ultimately to the only one who can heal, who can repair, who can restore who is Jesus. And that's our, that's true for us as parents, no matter how our children come into our homes. Our goal is to shepherd them in a way that points them to the Savior. And everything else is we learn our skill set. You know, I always tell, I use this phrase often on my podcast and with my families, the Lord is parenting us as parents as we parent our children. And we have to take that approach of understanding that we're going to mess up. We're not going to be perfectly informed. I, I cannot tell you that there's a comprehensive class out there that you can go and pay for and take that is going to prepare you for every facet that you're going to experience as an adoptive parent. You will learn along the way, and the Lord will guide you, and He will reveal things along the way. But to set that expectation in a humble posture of, Lord, you are gifting me with the privilege of shepherding this child, and I am looking to you for your wisdom and your guidance to do this step by step and along the way. That is going to alleviate many, many struggles for those who are wrestling with this calling of adoption. I think that is so encouraging, whether you have biological children or children by other means, such as foster care and adoption. And honestly, I'm sitting here at my desk and looking at a photo of four beautiful smiling faces smiling back at me. And everything that you said, Summer, is applicable no matter what kind of parent you are. I mean, we don't have any of those guarantees, but becoming students of our children and recognizing that God will, if he calls us to be parents, he knows what child we are going to have even before we have them. And he intentionally selects us as their parent. I mean, I think that is such an encouraging mind shift to have a paradigm shift to when we're feeling overwhelmed and we feel like I am failing miserably. And how can I be this child's parent? God chose us for this job because he was confident that we could do it with his help. And I think that's so encouraging. So regardless of whether you want to foster or adopt kids, you know, people who want to foster or adopt kids. And frankly, you, you know, people who are parents too. And I would love for you to share summer about how other families can be sensitive to the needs of these families who are going through an adoption or foster care journey, whether they're just starting out and then they're, they're in those early stages of the unknown, or if they're in those days of, you know, three years of crying, like you described, how can other families be encouraging to minister to families around them experiencing that? That's such a great question, and I really appreciate you asking that because this calling can be very isolating. Whether it's foster care or adoption, people don't know what to do with the messiness of it. And so adoptive and foster parents desperately need support and community, and they're not always going to know what to ask for. And so I like to encourage those who want to lean in and serve my families, like, don't ask them what they need, just bring them something. Just show up. 
just pray. Just send them a text. If the Lord places them on your heart, don't pause and don't wonder if you're bothering them. Act. Do something, whatever it is that the Lord is prompting you to do. Practical things like sending a meal to their home, sending groceries to their home, uh, getting your small group together and creating freezer meals and dropping those off, um, sending that text of encouragement, sending a scripture that the Lord places on your heart. Those types of things can make a world of difference for a parent who is sitting in the trenches at any given moment in their day with their child who is experiencing trauma, uh, whatever that might that struggle might be, or maybe they're just sitting lonely in the wait. They desperately need to know that people see them and that they're not alone. And then if you are a church leader, I highly encourage you to develop a ministry where you can get families together. There is nothing like being able to sit in a room and speak a common language with people who are going through common struggles. And I can speak from my own experience. We host a once-a-month support group meeting at my church that I'm honored to be able to facilitate. And we sit in a room, and I had a family say it just the other night, where we were talking about being able to say things out loud that other people would gasp at, because people looking in would think, how could you say something so harsh or so hurtful or so vulnerable, whatever it might be. People need a safe space to say what's true and what's real. And the true and real of adoption is that it's messy and that it's hard and that it can be lonely and that it can absolutely wreck you in ways that you never would have imagined. But being able to say that in a safe space and to pray through that and to talk through that in a constructive and productive way is so healing for the parents. And it can give them the motivation to get up and keep going during the hard days and during the hard seasons with their kids or during the waiting process while they wait to welcome a child into their home. It's key. And while they're waiting, you encourage people to raise their Ebenezer. Now, that may sound like a strange phrase to some. If you have sung the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, you have sung this word. And maybe it was you in church who sing that word. And I remember my son looking at me saying, what? I'm raising my what? <laughs> what does that mean? But it does hold a powerful truth, Summer. What is that truth that you can share with us as a moment of encouragement? It does. You know, it refers back to the Old Testament story where the Israelites were remembering very clearly a time where God gave guidance and He spoke to them. And when you are at times, I think, probably can relate to the Israelites of just wandering and not knowing where you're going, and it's uncomfortable, and you're having to depend on Him in ways that you never would have imagined, you really need to be able to go back to that time, time and time again, when the Lord clearly spoke. Because I'll be totally honest with you when I say when you're going through this journey, when you say yes to this, you are putting a glowing target on your back for the enemy to come at you with all types of warfare. And so not only are you going to have just some of the things that we talked about in our episode today about the financial considerations, just the time and the paperwork and the, the mundane things and the waiting, you're also going to have the enemy coming at you with accusation, with doubt, with guilt, with blame, with all the things that would deter you from stepping fully into that obedience as a foster or adoptive family. And you're even going to have well-meaning people in your life who are scared for you, saying things that might seem like wise counsel. But if you know and you go back repeatedly to that Ebenezer, God spoke, God said, this is his calling for our family. That is going to help you to remain steadfast in your calling and to see it come to fruition, whatever that might look like for you. That is so encouraging. And Summer, hearing you speak so passionately about it, I mean, you talked about seven failed placements. You talked about selling your home. You talked about a 10-year journey. You talked about three years of crying. But I still hear you saying it was still worth it. 
How can you say yeah. that? How, how, where is the truth in that? Where is the hope that other people can find in what you share? You know, God's plan is always worth it. And that's what we have to fall back on. And it's not a guarantee, like we've talked about all throughout this episode. It's not a guarantee of being easy, but it is a guarantee of His goodness and His presence and His guidance over our lives. And you have those moments where you look up kind of, you know, out of the chaos and out of the crazy and out of even the difficult things. If you posture yourself in a way where you are truly seeking His hand, His guidance, Um, His Word and His direction over your life, He is not going to hide that from you. And when you get those glimpses and the different seasons as you go throughout your journey, those are going to be reminders that it was worth it. And obedience is always worth it when He calls you to do something. And it's like you started our conversation out with today of, you know, we don't know what this is going to look like, and there's no way to to anticipate Mm -hmm. or plan or control it. But on the other side of it, you can see the reward, you can see the goodness, and you can see the change. And I think about this ripple effect, you know, it, He calls you as an individual, He calls you as a, a married couple if you are married and the Lord calls you together. But that effect is going to spill over to your children, it's going to spill over to your extended family members, to your community, to the people who are looking in and they're seeing what God is doing in and through your family. And you never know how that's going to affect others or what it's going to call them to. And that's just the goodness of God. And it is so worth it. Amen. Well, you can find Summer at summercolbert.com. That's Summer, S-O-M-E-R, Colbert, C-O-L-B-E-R-T.com. You can find out about her podcast and her speaking engagements and her coaching right there. Summer, thank you so much for sharing your story of God's faithfulness and the goodness of God in all of the things that you faced. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.